Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Main Idea Podcast, where today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Jessa Khan. A quick reminder for those of you that love this show, please take 30 seconds and leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and subscribe to the YouTube channel. This helps the show get discovered organically and helps me continue to bring on amazing guests. The other way that you can support the show is by sharing it with someone who loves jujitsu. Send them your favorite episode and let them become part of the community and learn from some of the greatest minds that jujitsu and other people in the health and fitness industry have to offer. Jessa Khan is a jujitsu black belt and 2023 IBJJF world champion. She will be fighting Danielle Kelly on September 29th in the One Championship event, which will be streaming on Amazon Prime for the women's Atomweight title. I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Without further ado, Jessa Khan. So Jessa, I want to start with a quote that I heard you say after you won the IBJJF World Championships, and I, I thought this was beautiful. And you said that doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. And it was a pretty emotional moment when you're, you're, you've just won and you're talking about this experience. And I want to know what, what brought you to that moment where you feel like you made the realization of what that phrase really means? Um, you know, just me even making it to the finals was like such a big deal for me. Um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've watched worlds in the yep. past, but, uh, Normally, you have to win, especially for the girls. It's a little bit different than the guys' bracket. The girls, you have to win all of your fights on Saturday, and then the Sunday is just the finals. Yeah. But for guys, it's different. Guys normally just do one fight, and then they do all three fights on Sunday. So for girls, I feel like, for, especially for my division, it's always been a lot harder for me to make it to that second day. And, you know, that was my first step. You yeah. know, um, I don't, I don't like to think too far ahead because I feel like, you know, sometimes you miss out of like what's right in front of you. Yep. So I was just trying to take it one step at a time. My first step was, you know, just winning my fights on Saturday and making it to Sunday. And then once I realized that I finally made it to the, the finals that, uh, you know, I was just like so happy. Um, you know, me yeah. and Professor Gee, we were just so stoked because that was like a huge deal for me. You know, I fought Worlds two times before that and I would... I lost like first round yeah, and like, you know, couldn't even make it to the second round. And now I'm like, well, I just won three matches in a row, like against good competitors. And now I'm in the finals for worlds. So yeah, it was a huge step. And then something that made it feel even more real was, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, on Sunday when they do the finals, you know, they break down the mats. There's only like two mats and you're going to find on one big one. And uh, they actually have both the athletes in separate corners at the pyramid. And then it's just like, you have your own little mat, you're warming up, then you look across, it's your opponent warming warming up. up. And then after they call both people's names and you both walk out. And I remember seeing that as like a little kid watching like Professor Gee, Hoffa, and all these other like superstars that I look up to. And I always like wondered like what that felt like and like to be in that position one of these days. And like, I finally got to do that. So I thought that was like such a cool experience for me. And then, you know, just to top it off, I, uh, I ended up winning Worlds. Yeah, I mean, to flip the switch there, you are a superstar, you know, like to to grow up and look at that and idolize it and wonder and now be in a position where not only are you excelling, but you're also being recognized for your efforts. I feel like that's one part of being an athlete that's always tough is everyone is working hard. 
everyone is grinding and training, yeah. right? Everyone's trying because you're, you're the best and you're not going to go compete against someone who's just started. You're going to go compete against the best in the world. So it could be anybody's day on any given day, but the fact yeah, that you're there, sure. it's all lining up and now you're getting ready to be on this huge international card. I mean, what does that feel like? You got Stamp Fairtex headlining the card, but she's an international superstar. You're right there. And going up against someone who you have a history with, I mean, how exciting is this for you? Um, it's really exciting. You know, I had a shot at becoming world champion this year, and now I have another opportunity to also, like, you know, become a champion for women's submission grappling and get the belt. Um, you know, it's a big stepping stone for, like, history and jiu-jitsu, especially women's jiu-jitsu. And, you know, I have Absolutely. the opportunity to be the first woman to capture that title for the submission grappling for one championship. And I think that's amazing. And um, also, yeah, for this card, it's an all-woman card. And yep. I think that's so awesome because, like, you never see that anywhere. And I think it's great because it's not that one's just growing jiu-jitsu. It's also growing different martial arts. And I really respect that. And I'm glad that all the other girls are also getting, like, their opportunity to shine. How did that opportunity come about? Um, so I've actually been signed with one for a year now, and I still never got around to doing a fight. Um, there are a couple um, opponents that they offered me, but me and my professor, Gee, we never just felt like it was the right opponent or like the right time because, you know, I was still like in my Gee season. But um, right after I won Worlds, like literally right after, then like they reached out and they're like, do you want to do a title fight against Danielle? I was like, win another title? I was like, sure. I'll do that. Hello, friends. Please let me take a minute to share my experience about why I love my sponsor, AG1. I started taking AG1 because I believe that health starts on the cellular level and believe that gut health is as important as brain health. Between surfing, strength training, jujitsu, striking, and running through businesses, I need every leg up I can manage. That's why I drink AG1 every morning before starting my day. And it makes me feel confident that no matter what happens, I've done a solid for myself and my well-being. As you may know, I'm a creature of habit, and adding AG1 to my daily regimen is an easy-to-do, tasteful hack that gives me assurance that I'm building my health 365 days a year. So if you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash A-B-E. That's drinkag1.com slash A-B-E. Check it out and take advantage of the offer. Yeah, confidence oh, yeah. has to be at an all-time high coming off a victory like that and really cementing yourself in, I mean, cementing yourself in the history books of, of women's jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu in general to be a, a champion. Was there... Was there a moment, um, maybe we can rewind the clock back to kind of how you got into jujitsu, what really brought you into the sport, why the draw towards this incredible art where we roll around in pajamas and choke people out for fun? <laughs> what was that, uh, what was the kind of initial thing that got Jessica introduced to jujitsu and grappling and then what really made it stick for you? Why is it something you wanted to keep going with? Okay, yeah, so I'll give you a little background because it kind of adds up to the story. But uh, my dad was in the Navy for about 20 years now. And uh, we were kind of, you know, bouncing around from state to state. And uh, I was born in Texas, and then I moved to California. Um, after that, I started moving to Hawaii. And Hawaii is where I started my journey with jiu-jitsu. Prior to that, while I was living 
in California. I was actually training karate. I was doing yep. other sports, but uh, the only martial art at the time was karate. And initially, when I moved to Hawaii, me and my parents were looking for another karate studio. But then uh, I just never found any that I liked. Mm-hmm. So then in that same shopping plaza was actually a jiu-jitsu place. And my dad ended up just taking me there. He was like, oh, it's another martial art. Like, let's try it out. Let's see if it's like similar to karate or like whatever. You know, we didn't really know too much info going in. Yeah. And then just after my first class, I've just always loved it and stuck with it. You know, I think because I started when I was eight. So, you know, that's like a great time for like a yeah. kid to like do a bunch of activities and like make friends. So it was like really fun for me to do jiu-jitsu and always like be there. And, you know, I had all these friends that were like training with me and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I started at, like, a House of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu school. Did you ever feel like giving up? Um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely times where I feel like that's normal. Like, everyone, you know, has times where they have, like, self-doubt about themselves. Yep. Um, growing up, like, throughout my kid belts and, like, the young, like, adult belts, like, purple to brown, I didn't really feel that because I was, like, on a good winning streak. And I never really had someone to challenge me, which wasn't my fault. It's just, you know, the time and place, like there was just no one in the division that, you know, could give me like the right challenge. Yep. So uh, whenever I got to black belt, that's when I, things kind of started going downhill. <laughs> things are a little so, different. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, things are yeah. different here. You know, like now it's like anyone that I go against, whether it's like the first round or the second round, like everyone's a black belt and everyone's like really good. So it's not like you're going to go against like, some chump it's like people are good at black belt no matter who you go against and um i guess that was like a tough pill to swallow and like for me to handle because i never really faced a challenge throughout my other years so like it was unexpected for me and like how to and how to approach the situation too so you know like anyone would do after a loss like you know they go back to the academy they're fired up to like you know train more get better and try to win the next tournament and i kept doing that and then while I was doing that, you know, I kept losing, losing. And I'm just like, man, like nothing is working. You know, that creates like self-doubt because it makes you question yourself. Like, oh, like I'm putting in all this work and like, it's still not working out for me. Like it's, I still haven't had my time. And then it makes you think like, should I still keep competing? And like, is it worth it? And then for me thinking like that, it made me even feel bad about training. Then I started to resent going to training and not enjoying it. And then, yeah, I went through this whole little phase because it was, you know, it gets tough. Like with any any athlete, like athlete life is hard. It's so hard. But I, I think having having been an athlete in other disciplines, one thing that's very unique about jujitsu is that you're getting beat up when it's not going well. Like growing up skiing competitively, which is what I did way before finding jujitsu. If I was having a bad day skiing or like I I couldn't figure something out. It's, you know, it's tough. It's tough to deal with. So you go back to the drawing board and you work on it. When you're having a bad day on the mats, someone's knee is in your sternum. They're choking you out. They're, ex- yeah. they're hyperextending your elbow. They're outpacing you. <laughs> they're out scrambling you. They're knee slicing you. It's like having a bad day in training is so much worse than having a bad day on the basketball court where you're like missing shots. So then you're, you're really faced. And I think even in in the six years that I've been doing jujitsu, and I'm sure you've seen this a trillion times, you see so many people stop because of exactly that. They're faced with that failure or difficulty, and they're not quite sure how to handle it, where 
you could fail and go back to the drawing board and then keep working and keep training and get another training partner, work on something with your coach. I think a lot of people hit that and it's so overwhelming that they get stuck and they, and then they leave. Yeah. It happens to most people. Um, like I said, I've been in Blackboard for about three years now and like those first two years were really tough and like, that's pretty much how I was feeling. So yeah, I was like, actually like serious about like not competing anymore and like limiting my training because it wasn't fun and like I was trying to think about like different career paths if I wasn't gonna like stick with jiu-jitsu and like it just it got really it's like the voices they start they start going like this right they hey you know you could do this or you could do that what what is your secret to I was like scrambling around trying to think of like other ideas I could do because I was like man I've been doing jiu-jitsu my whole life I don't know what else I have for myself what do you you what do you think is like your secret to that mental fortitude that way to find a way to keep going to truck through those moments of doubt of despair of being down things not going your way like what keeps you going keeps pushing you through that yeah so i mean it's different for everyone but at least what worked for me was um the people you surround yourself with um i don't know if you've been anj or not but you know, they're very, um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's very like strong minded people there yeah. and you know, everyone, everyone's on a mission there. Like everyone wants to train hard and, you know, they're hungry, you know, they want to become this superstar. They want to win a world, the black boat. And, you know, it's hard to be around people mm-hmm. and feel a certain way. Like you want to give up because those yeah. are the type of people that well, they're not going to let you just stop and give up. And, uh, you know, Professor Gee and uh, my boyfriend, Zach, who I started jiu-jitsu with, you know, they played a big role in that and on me continuing. You know, they just kept trying to, like, reassure myself that, like, you know, I'm still good. I still got it. And that, like, things, they take time. And especially yeah. for the black belt. Like, it takes takes time. I, I mean, there's some people that we see online that, like, you know, they win everything in the color belts and then they win everything in the black belt. But then I was like, it's unrealistic. Like, there's only, like, a couple, less than five people that I can name that have actually had their whole career like that. Like, that's not, like, it's not normal. And I guess, like, you know, there are some people that are at AOJ that are like that. So it kind of makes you feel bad. I'm like, oh, like, my journey is not like that. Like, I should just stop now because I was like, I already messed up because I was already on, like, a losing streak for, like, two years in the black belt. So, you know, all of that, you know, adds up. But uh, honestly, if it wasn't for, like, the people that were close to me, like I probably would have like gave up on myself. But uh, you know, I really tried to think about like all the work that I put in throughout the years, all the sacrifices I did that my family did for me, yep. just to get me here. And I was just thinking that like you know, if I were to stop now and like look back in like another year, that I would regret it. Because you know, in jujitsu, like most people um, are in their prime, you know, you know, early twenties. Yep. And uh, so it's like if you if you take a break for a year and you stop, like it's kind of hard to get back like on that, on that track, you know, if you're already having so much, there's just so much intuitive learning that happens. Like there's so much body mechanic awareness and intuition and in how you train and how you roll and how you move that again, comparing it to other sports, it's, it's hard to be away from it and come back. I think to some degree, being away from jujitsu 
in small amounts can be good because you can forget bad habits and you can see things in a different light. But if you were to take a year off at a high level like that, I can only imagine that the strides that your opponents would make in that time would be like hard to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. I just kept thinking like all my hard work would have been for nothing then if I just stopped now. And I knew that I would regret it because I wanted to give my chance, myself a chance to like actually like go in a hundred percent, like feeling good with a camp, like mindset, everything. And I know if I can dedicate a hundred percent to anything I do that, um, you know, it's definitely possible for me to win. And then, you know, this year I ended up going good for me. I ended up winning worlds and like, that's, and I think it was just a sign from God. Like I, I needed that. How much, uh, you mentioned your faith there. How valuable is it to be able to put things above yourself as an athlete, as a competitor? Um, you know, I mean, I think all of that's valuable. Um, I feel like, you know, cause most people like, you know, they get kind of like selfish about like, Oh, like it's just me. Like I'm the one that's doing all the work, but it's like, it's other people too that are helping you. Yeah. So I, I know there's like a couple athletes that I met that, you know, try to think of it, that it's just all their hard work and that they should just thank themselves and like forgetting them work, which I mean, it's true. I mean, you did get yourself there, but it's like all the people, like I, like I said, I've moved around to so many different States. Um, I can name some of the other ones because I didn't get to go over it, but uh, you know, yeah. I lived in Texas, California, Hawaii, re- Maine, Virginia, and then back to California. And then my dad retired after 20 years. Yeah. Then that's when we officially moved back to AOJ. And then, you know, I've had so many coaches and like training partners and like all those people like in my lives, like they have helped me get to where I am. Yeah. And, like, um, I just want to make sure that like, I don't forget that. Cause like, even though they're not really part of my journey now, but, they were at some point and they, they've probably like helped me reach my goal. So I, I like you, not, uh, not due to family in the military, but for other circumstances, spent a ton of time moving around growing up, Washington, Boston, Hawaii, also Kauai, California, oh, nice. Colo- I love Colorado. Kauai. Yeah. Love it. We lived like right near Kilauea. Um, oh, nice. New Mexico. I've spent my whole life traveling around and, and going to different places with your experience of having been in so many different places, lived in so many different places, constantly meeting new people, making new friendships, relationships, training partners, stuff like that. When you reflect on AOJ, what do you think it is about that academy that is different? Because it is a juggernaut. I mean, not only is the, and and from the one time that I was there, just from top down, like the aesthetic of the building, the cleanliness, how prepared everyone is about everything. Like from the second you get there to the second you leave, if you're a visitor, if you're an athlete, everything is just done extremely well. And then on top of that, you're getting very high level current competitors instructing. So the, the teaching is like the, some of the best that you'll get as an athlete. There is someone who's been on those mats for so long. What do you feel is the X factor for AOJ? Why is it such a force in jujitsu? Um, you know, something that made a lot of people go there, you know, especially me as a young kid. Um, I would say that the professor, um, Guy and Hoffa, they're kind of like what made everyone go there, mm-hmm. you know, cause 
you know, obviously, um, you know, I've had other coaches and, you know, other academies are, you know, great and successful, but there's a difference in the coaching because, you know, some of those professors, they weren't like world champions. They never really won anything. So sometimes it's hard to relate to them, even though they are a great um, teacher. That's fair. And something, and something that I think really stuck out at AOJ was that Guy and Hoffa, they're, you know, they're the people that we wanted to be. And now we're starting to become like them. You know, like they were young black belts, you know, successful. They were winning worlds and all these other big tournaments. And that's like kind of what I wanted to be. And now I, I feel like that's like what I'm starting to be now. Be now. You know, I finally won my first world title with them. Right. And, you know, just every like um, everything that I face, like they've gone through already. So they kind of have, have like an answer or like some advice to always give us. And I think that's something that like helps us relate more to them and get closer to AOJ because like if they could do it and they know like the steps of how to get there why not like give yourself the best chance of doing that and having like the best mentors I think that's as like from a competitor like standpoint that's like kind of like what made us go to AOJ versus like other academies that I've been to yeah I think that 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 coaching element is invaluable in any sport when you have someone who has been through it truly to the degree that you're trying to go through it it's a different level of like honesty in the advice that they give you whereas and i i've had in different sports i've had great coaches on both sides of that coin some that are former world-class competitors and some that just are really good coaches like they just they get the sport and they can communicate about it but when you're seeking advice in those trying moments being able to talk to someone who's a living example of like everything that you're trying to do. It's so meaningful. They've been coaching you for how many years now? Yeah. So AOJ actually opened up in 2012 in like July. And then, um, I actually went there in December of 2012. Um, my boyfriend, so my boyfriend, um, Zach, um, I actually started jujitsu with him in Hawaii when we were eight years old. And um, once once he found out that uh, once his family found out that AOJ was opening in California, yeah. um, they knew that he was already really dedicated to jiu-jitsu. So they made they ended up just making the move from Hawaii to California. And then wow. at that month in December of 2012, uh, me and my family, we went out there just to also check it out since I seen that Zach had moved there. But then, yeah, no, I loved it ever since. And then, but like I said, my dad was in the Navy, so we couldn't quite just move to California and start training there. Right. So only up until 2016 is when he retired and we were finally able to move back to California and start training at AOJ full time. Prior to that, I would come every single summer and stay with Zach and his family and so just right. do a training camp. Yeah. yeah. How How is that like being in a, a jujitsu focused relationship and you're both competitors you're both high level uh do you how do you guys keep like your relationship and, and the importance of like your intimate life and your personal life separate but also respect the fact that you guys are both absolute phenoms in the sport yeah um a lot of people, they always ask, like, what do we do if we fight? Like, do we just spar? <laughs> just like, joke. That's, like, the, that's the first question people ask. <laughs> I'm like, You're like, yeah, I just throw them in a triangle. And I'm like, you strength. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I mean, yeah, I... you do have a, like, if there's ever an argument, right, you could just throw down a mat, be like, okay, you know, three taps and, and we'll reset this. 
That's actually a, a great way to settle a dispute. That's, that's that's actually a good one. I might bring that up to him in case we get in another uh, fight or something. You'll be like, uh, we did this drill the other day where everything we were, we were training no gi, but you train with tennis balls in your hands. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. We actually do that at AJ with like little bean bags. Yeah. So like you can't obviously use your grips and stuff like that. Yeah. So you learn about a, a lot about body pressure, but you could be like, hey, we're going to settle this. You got to use tennis balls. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe awesome. you could write a book on how, how to resolve uh, relationship disputes via jujitsu jiu matches. I don't know That'd if that would cool. sell very well. Yeah, I've known Zach since I was eight years old. We started jujitsu in Hawaii together. Yeah. Like I said, um, 2012 is when he, his family made the move to California, start you know training at AOJ full time. Um, up until then, yeah, I was staying with his family every summer and coming just to Pan Kids who's at the time. Pan Kids was in California. Now it's only in Florida. Yep. But uh, I would come for those events. And then yeah, 2016, my dad um, wanted to retire. And we we're like, I want to go back to AOJ. Because at the time, I was still training jiu-jitsu a lot. But like, I was still going to regular school because I was still only like orange and a green belt. But uh, yep. whenever I got there towards the end of 2016, um, I started getting uh, blue, my blue belt for like started entering like my juvenile years. And I was just like, oh, like this is what I want to do full time, especially like actually being there versus like just seeing it from like the East coast and seeing everything online. I was like, I'm actually here. And like, I know that this will probably be the most important stage, you know, juvenile all the way to the black belt. This is where it starts. And I need to dedicate more time. So I started being homeschooled for high school. So that you could uh, perform and compete. Yeah. Just so, you know, I could dedicate myself a little bit more to jujitsu. But, I respect yeah, so that. I, that. Yeah. I was uh, I went to a high school where part of the high school's curriculum is that you get out of school every day to go to ski training. So you you go oh. to school earlier than all the other oh. kids, but then you leave earlier to go to ski training. So it's very I totally get it. Like I wouldn't have gone to public school if that wasn't an offering because all I cared about was competing at this high level. And the reality is, if someone else is willing to make those sacrifices and you're not then you're not going to have a leg up in the competition. So you kind of have to make those choices. Was that kind of weird or, or tough going away yeah. from social life, public schooling to pursue something that most people probably don't even understand in the first place? Yeah. A lot of people ask if like, I feel like if I regret it just cause like, um, I missed out on some stuff. Um, but you know I what? Mean, are... They ain't world champions. So yeah, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> but uh you know there are some stuff like that you know i obviously wish i could have experienced um going to regular high school you know just yep. more of that interaction you know going to prom never did that but uh you know i'm glad that i did make the decision i think it was the right decision for me um definitely got me to my goals a lot quicker yeah and yes yeah, so i think that well I'll, t- I'll tell you from experience prom yeah. super lame IBJJF uh, huh? world champion, <laughs> really, really cool. <laughs> Proms like bad dance songs and, and just like awkwardness. But when it, you're like a certified badass globally, I think I would take that. I would go. I would go back yeah. and not go to prom, and then I would go to IBJJF world championship. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a better <laughs> idea. Uh, with your upcoming upcoming bout against Danielle Kelly, you know her. You've competed against her in the past. You won by decision. What's the recipe? 
I I feel like for athletes in combat sports, going against someone again, although there's confidence in that, you also know that that person's busting their ass because they don't want to get beat twice by the same person. So the rematch actually has very high stakes whenever we see it, whether it's in MMA, whether it's in jujitsu, whether it's in submission only grappling, the rematch is always high stakes. So going into this, how are you preparing? How do you want to finish the fight? And what do you expect her to bring to the table? Yeah, no, um, you know, just since I did win that first match, you know, I obviously do have some confidence going to myself, um, going into this fight. And then, you know, also just for me, I have a lot of confidence, you know, just because I've already beat here and, you know, I just won Worlds, the biggest tournament where I'm fighting the best competitors. And right. I feel like she's not putting herself out there in that if the girls that I'm fighting against were to fight her, like, I don't think it would go that well for her. And that's how I'd like to think of it as my at training, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm training with the best girls at AOJ. You know, we're all, like, pretty similar in size, but, you know, like, still, like, split up with, like, you know, our belt ranks and stuff. Yeah. But I feel like if, you know, if she were to come train at AOJ, that, like, um, everyone would be able to, you know, have a good round with her. And, like, that kind of gives me confidence because I'm, like, if I just think it like that, like, if she were to come here, like, yeah, be no questions if I could get a submission or not. But, you know, obviously it's different when we're going on, like, a big stage for everyone. You know, she definitely will come out hungry. You know, I know right after she lost that match, she did a like post interview and like right after she wanted to go with me again or rematch. So yeah, so I was like definitely after two years she's probably even more hungry now. And you know ha- this time it's on a much bigger stage and right now she has a lot of hype just because she's done three fights with him. So I mentioned that she might be a little bit more comfortable just because she's been in that atmosphere before and this would be my first time you know competing with this organization and you know the first time that we're, I'm gonna fight in the cage and stuff. So. She might be a little bit more comfortable in that stage. But uh, overall, I feel like with just our jiu-jitsu level, that, like, no matter what and, like, no matter where we fight, like, I um, still have that reassurance that I'm going to still come out with the win. And, you know, this time I'm looking to get a submission. Last time that we fought, I did win my decision, and I was, you know, dominating the fight. I was just unable to get a submission. You know, she had a really good defense, and uh, she was just very flexible, so I couldn't catch anything on her, but. You know, that's something that always bugged me. Yeah. But So this time I'm definitely hunting for that submission. So let's go Gordon Ryan moment here. What are you going to submit her with? Do you feel confident <laughs> enough to call out the actual submission? Because, I th- look, I think on this stage, it's, it is as a viewer, as a fan, someone who watches these fights, it is exciting because it's only one person. You're only going against one person. It's not these grueling IBJJF days where you're you could have six matches in a day, you know, and you're just grinding. And by the end of it, you're like you're barely holding it together, and your forearms are all swollen, your fingernails are ripped off, and like you're making it happen. You know who it's going to be. You know the exact time limit, and it's a stage. It's a big stage, so you'll either come alive or crumble under that setting. I think you're going to come alive, right? Yeah. What do you think that you can hit her with? Um, you know, I'll, I'll name a couple of stuff that um, I tried in my past fight with her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've obviously been studying that match and also rewatching some of, like, her latest matches. Yeah. So there are a couple of submissions that I tried to do on her back then was, like, you know, trying to attack her legs, like knee bars, 
try to go for like a toe hold, try to go for arm bars. And I feel like if you go against someone flexible, those are actually like those submissions that like they don't really tap to. You know, so yeah, I feel like they're tough. this time around, I'm going to look to go for a choke because I was like, no one's flexible with their neck, <laughs> I don't think. So, so, yeah, I've been working yeah. on a couple different ways to get to the head. Yeah. You know, some situations I've been working is either like they'll go for a takedown, counter catching the head. You know, there's ways that uh, I can set that up from my guard or, you know, just even just being on top, you know, trying to connect the pass and find a way to take the back and then get a rear naked choke. So just working on a bit, bunch of different setups of getting like to the head. Yep. Ideally, I would like to get to the back and get a choke. AOJ's known I, for taking the back, but we'll there, see. It's, it's funny. So when I, the one time that I went to AOJ, I was picking up a surfboard in Costa Mesa and I was like, wow, well, it's, I usually train on this day. So why don't I jump in there? So I just did a drop in and um, had like, great train right when i walked in there i walked by this guy and i mean he had you know his ears were all blown out and it looked like someone who's probably grappled for like 13 years 14 years and we are all training i think cole led the class it was an incredible instruction we did a couple of rounds and then i kind of like looked up last couple of rounds and whoever this was i don't know who they were i wish i remembered they kind of point at me and they're like hey do you want to train i was like sure and uh I just got absolutely trounced. I mean, it was an all out round, for it, probably zero effort on his part. And it was like 90% effort on my part, just like over and over, it just smashed. And I was, I left kind of, you know, stoked. I mean, hard training sessions are the best training sessions. You feel so good when they're done. He was super cool, really respectful at the end. And I was like, you know what? If this is the walk in kind of, what you can get if you just drop in. I bet that these training sessions, when it's team training and you guys are focused on a goal and you have an upcoming tournament, it's just dogs training hard as hell. And if that's the energy that you bring, I feel sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Did, did you do like a night uh nogi class with Cole? No, it was it was right. a nogi class in the middle of the day. Was, I want to say it was oh, like okay. a noon class. I Yeah. I brought I didn't was it know recently? that like No, this was like a year ago. Oh, okay. Um it was yeah, it was just like a noon drop-in class. It was awesome. I I'd, honestly if I if I was closer, I would train there all the time. I I really yeah, love, love that school in Encinitas. Oh, okay. So like San Diego, just it's a little too far for like multiple times a week. But anytime I go up there, I yeah. try to drop in and, and train because it's awesome. Like I said, it's fantastic instruction and it's world-class people that know exactly what they're talking about, yourself included. So, well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Can you get to the back? Can you make it happen on a, it, on a massive stage? And this is a potential fork in the road for you, right? I mean, this could getting in with this organization, having a performance like this, who knows where this can take you. Did you ever think that you would be here? Honestly, no. And that's something Love that, it. that's a question. That's a question that uh, a lot of people have been asking because, you know, growing up, you know, there wasn't too many goals that people mm -hmm. had in jiu-jitsu. The main ones was, you know, become a IBJF Black Rover champion, to own a jiu-jitsu school or be an MMA fighter. Those were your three options back <laughs> in the day. Yeah. So that was kind of stuck with me when I was little. But then as I started growing up, being in LJ's atmosphere, you know, they're very good when it comes to like running a business. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got to learn from that. And then, you know, just, I never thought that 
you know, jujitsu would make it that far where, you know, we have a platform, like one championship, like, you know, putting on like these cards, especially like all female cards, yep. you know, for all these different martial arts and then even making it to Amazon Prime. I never thought that for me, I thought like, you know, oh, just winning worlds. That was just, that's a big goal. Yeah. But then, you know, I finally, I finally was able to achieve that goal after three years. And now like I have another goal and that's to try to, you know, become the first woman to get the title for submission grappling for one championship. So I'm really excited for that. Well, it's, it's really cool to see you be part of history and the downline effects of that are incredible. I mean, there's young girls that are getting into jujitsu for the first time ever, and they're looking up to you and seeing an example of a way to go, someone to be, someone to idolize, to try to be like, and that's extremely powerful because you have no idea the impact that you're going to have on those girls' lives. And some of them you'll never even meet, right? Some of them you will, yeah. but that is incredible. And yeah, to be on <laughs> Amazon Prime on the biggest streaming service yeah. in the world, uh, headlining a fight, and <laughs> you were like just doing this as a kid, you know, kid belt going around. Um, yeah. It's incredible. Well, Jessa, I want to be respectful of your time. So stoked uh, that we got to have you on here, and I really look forward to watching you in the One Championship event, September twenty ninth. Any last words? Yes. Um, thank you for having me. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, yeah, if you're ever in town, definitely come stop by AOJ, come train. It'd be nice to meet you in person. Um, you know, like I said, thank you for supporting. And yeah, I'm really excited for my fight September 29th on Amazon Prime. She called it here. Uh, I think a body triangle from the back rear naked choke, maybe something like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, you can reference this episode after the event and know that it was said here. So thank you, Jessa. Yeah, thank you.